Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Trinity Episcopal Pocatello podcast. Peace be with you. This episode features a homily by Trinity's own Reverend Don Paulson. Father Don speaks on our scripture found in Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. He asks us how modern-day disciples would perhaps answer Jesus' question, Who do you say I am? Here is, Who does your life say Jesus is? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. That's an interesting question for Jesus to ask, a question probably grounded in the Jewish culture at that time, where the importance of a community identity was central to personal identity. What do people say that I am? You can't see me smiling, but I like this next part. As I read this passage, I couldn't help but wonder how someone today might go about coming up with an answer they could share with others. Is it possible that their first step might be to Google Jesus Christ? That would seem to be a source for answering the question Jesus asked, who do people say that I am? So I Googled Jesus Christ. (laughs) And it came up with 635 million results in 0.76 seconds. The first result in line was, of course, the ever, ever reliable Wikipedia. It was 68 pages long, too long for discussion here, but I would like to share the first few paragraphs from the first page, which has a nice picture on it, if you want to Google Jesus Christ. Jesus, also referred to as Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus Christ, was a first century Jewish preacher and religious leader. He is a central figure of Christianity, the world's largest religion. Most Christians believe he is the incarnation of God the Son and the awaited Messiah, the Christ, prophesied in the Old Testament. Virtually all modern scholars of antiquity agree that Jesus existed historically. However, the quest for the historical Jesus has yielded some uncertainty on the historical reliability of the Gospels and how closely the Jesus portrayed in the Bible reflects the historical Jesus as the only records of Jesus' life are contained in the Gospels. Jesus was a Galilean Jew who was baptized by John the Baptist and began his own ministry. His teachings were initially conserved by oral transmission, 
and he himself is often referred to as rabbi. Jesus debated with fellow Jews on how to best follow God, engaged in healings, taught in parables, and gathered followers. Tradition holds that he was arrested and tried by the Jewish authorities, turned over to the Roman government, and crucified under the, on the order of Pontius Pilate, the Roman prefect. After his death, his followers believed he rose from the dead, and the community they formed eventually became the early church. So there is a modern day way to start answering the question Jesus asked, who do the people say I am? 68 pages is a lot of information, and that only begins the Google search. I don't know about you, but somehow this seems to be missing something. It seems to fall short of really answering the question which to my way of thinking leads nicely into reflecting upon the next question Jesus asked of his disciples. But who do you say that I am? Jesus seems to be saying, given the time we spent together and what you have experienced and witnessed, who do you say I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. What a strong, clear, direct answer one which you would think Jesus would find comforting. That, however, does not appear to be the case, given what Jesus said next. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed and after three days, rise again. It would seem then that Peter's understanding of Jesus as Messiah was somehow incomplete and somewhat short-sighted. This is understandable, given that up until this time and this teaching, Jesus had been a prophetic teacher and a worker of wonders, miracles, and great healings. This teaching of Jesus was new and the first to predict pain, suffering, death, and resurrection. As kind of a side note, this passage, in fact, proclaims a very critical shift in all of Mark's gospel. It's the first of three predictions of Jesus' passion, and it's the start of his journey to Jerusalem where the passion occurs. Well, this is just too much of a new reality for Peter to handle. It's too different from his hopes and his beliefs about Jesus. So Peter does what he always does. He rebukes Jesus. We don't know what he said, but I would imagine it was something like, uh, no, no, Jesus, this is not how things are supposed to happen and work out. Uh-uh. No, no suffering. No, no pain. No, no death. He probably missed the rise after rising after three days, as Peter's not the great listener. He would probably go on to say something like, Jesus, you're the wonder worker, the teacher, the healer, the one who will lead us to freedom from all our oppressors, be they personal, religious, or political. Fortunately for Peter, Jesus knows him very well. 
knows that this impetuous person still needs more time in his walk with Jesus to come to fully understand the scope and meaning of being a disciple of Jesus. Yes, being a disciple of the Messiah. So to get Peter's attention, as I said, he's not the best listener, Jesus turns to all the disciples and in front of them rebukes Peter, saying, most importantly, saying, you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Jesus seems to be telling Peter and us as well, you're putting yourself, your priorities, your desires, and your needs ahead of what I've taught you, ahead of what you've seen me live out, and ahead of that which is still to come. Jesus then goes on with some of the strongest words and some of the most challenging teaching in all of Mark's gospel, or any of the gospels for that matter. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Lose your life to save it. Just what might these choices, these actions mean? From Jesus' perspective, what does it mean to deny yourself and take up your cross? What life needs to be lost for life to be saved? The short answer to each of these questions can be found in one phrase. One phrase. Human ego. To deny yourself for the sake of the gospel means setting aside that very self. Setting aside the ego, which is the center from which all your decisions, all your actions, and all your attitudes evolve. Let me be clear. Jesus is not saying deny something to yourself. This is not denying chocolate at Lent. This is not a matter of some sort of self-sacrifice, not a matter of giving up something important to you. Such choices may and often do occur. But what Jesus is asking for is of greater scope and greater commitment. Denying yourself and losing your life for the sake of Jesus and the gospel means setting aside your ego, your self-protective attitudes and behaviors, and replacing them with Christ-centered love. It means allowing yourself to become vulnerable. It means giving up your needs for control, your desires to always win, your fears of failure, among a few of the attitudes that need to be left behind. It means moving your ego down a notch or two and putting Jesus at the top of your pantheon for daily decision-making. It means giving up the myth of self-esteem and replacing it with God's unconditional love. In so doing, you do lose your life, your self-centered life, and find your life saved by the love of God in Christ. It is this love, born of the suffering, pain, and resurrected joy of Jesus, which becomes your cross to bear. This cross is a moral choice, a choice to live a Christ-centered life following his new commandment, 
to love one another as he loves us. As disciples of Christ, that does mean suffering and pain, but also joy. You know, too often we've used the phrase cross to bear in the human way of Peter. We have used it to mean having to cope with some personal flaw. For example, my anxiety is my cross to bear. My sensitivity, my cross to bear. My need for control and power, oh, yes, my cross to bear. My impetuousness, Peter might say, my cross to bear. Or we've used it to mean having to cope with some difficult past life experience. Or even a difficult family member, a difficult friend, a difficult colleague, or a difficult new current situation. Ah, that brother of mine is my cross to bear. Ah, if I never work with that person again, that's my cross to bear. These are not gospel crosses to bear. They are not the moral choice of committing to a Christ-centered life, a life of loving others, even our most difficult others, as Christ loves them and loves us. When we make this moral choice, we realize, we realize that the life we lose is of little consequence, given the life we gain. Which brings me to ask, how do you answer the question Jesus asked his disciples? But who do you say that I am? And please, please, don't do a Google search or rely on some other special authority to come up with your answer. Answering this question is a matter of commitment, not information. It's a matter of your heart and not someone else's belief. Answering this question means taking a deep, honest, sincere, and difficult look at your life, in your talk with yourself, and in your relationships with others. Is there the love of God in Christ? Where does living out the love of God in Christ challenge your ego? Does the love win or your ego? How are you loving others as God in Christ loves you? Or are you still loving others, as most humans do, conditionally loving others so that your needs are met? How do your choices about where you spend your time, how you spend your emotional energy, what you do with your gifts, your talents, your money, how do these choices reflect your bearing the cross of Christ's love? Jesus asks you, who do you say I am? What is your answer? Who does your life say Jesus is? Amen. are grateful you've listened today and we hope you found something helpful in today's episode. Our mission is to weave God's unfinished tapestry and by listening you are a part of that mission. So thank you. If you would like to know more about our parish or the Episcopal Church, 
You can find us online at www.trinitypocatello.org. Thanks be to God. Thank you.